Your Tauntaun will freeze before you reach the first marker. Then I'll see you in hell. Marker Podcast. Beyond the First Marker is a podcast that explores the greater Star Wars universe and how to represent themed characters, units, and battles on the Star Wars Legion tabletop. This will involve digging into the rules and sharing modeling options to make your favorite units a playable reality. We are an Australian-based podcast and will be regularly chatting with members of the Australian Legion community and the larger global community. Thank you for joining us. You are listening to Beyond the First Marker, episode six, and it is Star Wars week. Well, it was May the 4th earlier this week, so you've got a second episode for the week. Lucky you. Uh, mm. This is Drew Barker, and as always, I'm here with Lobrad. How you doing, Lobrad? I'm good, brother. How you doing? I'm really good. Uh, it's been a really exciting week. Lots it, happening. It has. There's been tons of great Star Wars and Star Wars Legion news that I'm sure we're going to talk about. Um, look, we did our first YouTube video as well. We talked about how I made my Minbin Stormtroopers. And yes, it's Minban. I know. Uh, I've, I've gotten many messages this week, uh, including one from a good friend who does some beautiful work for, uh, for us, uh, who said I, I, they all now say Mim, Mimbin, not Minban. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, look, A can be pronounced a number of ways. Uh, but let's get into the main reason why... I am so damn excited tonight. Um, now, I have a lot to be excited about, but the main reason, the, the, the oomph in my voice, the smile on my dial is down to this. We have a third talking head tonight. We have a special guest on the show. And if you have been, uh, and I know there are some of you who are listening, who have been fans of uh, Cast Dice, who went even before that were part of the LRDG, or the Lurdy Gerg, as we used to call it way back when, uh, the LRGD2, the, the, the Ghost Army podcast. I have been on a monstrous number of podca- podcasts over the years, beyond the first, oh, not beyond the first marker, that's the one we're on, um, intensified forward firepower, you name it. But before all of that, I was on another podcast, and the very first time someone handed me a microphone and hit record, I was sitting across the table from this man, and he is one of the most enthusiastic voices in podcasting. He is so handsome, his face has been on an advertising campaign on billboards across one of the largest, most populous countries in the world. Of course, we're talking about the man whose short shorts are so damn sexy. You cannot go past. He's been a red joker. He's been a dweller below. But now it is my distinct honor to welcome Nick Gentilly to be on the first marker. Hey, buddy, how you doing? Oh, what an introduction. How how (laughs) I even live up to this introduction. Oh, thank you so much. And if you're wondering, ladies and gentlemen, where I picked up the expression boom, it's the man who is currently speaking. That, not me, him. Um, and I should say, I'm sorry, Nick, Dr. 
Nick Gentili. Dr. Nick, how you doing? Well, only only my uh, my parents and my patients call me that. Everyone <laughs> calls me, hey, you. <laughs> hey, you. Oh, brother, how you been, man? Now, when you started playing Legion, it was an exciting day for me. And we actually got together early in the piece way back when, uh, God, a year and a half ago. And uh, we we played some games. Um, and you were one of the first people I played, you know, some great Legion with. And it is, I mean, you've been a tactical war gamer forever. I think the first time we played was Fantasy a million years ago. And I was playing was Skaven. The very first tournament ever. Yes. So that was that was run by Chris Cousins, I think. It was Empire it was. in Flames. It was. And I was running Skaven of all things way back when. I think I was, I think I was co-running that with Chris. Mm-hmm. I run that. Yeah. Small world. Oh. That army was so filthy with, um, I think you plagued me to death. Um, that was, yeah, that was a, an experience. But we're still friends, so it can't have been that bad. <laughs> That's right. Well, you know, I, I actually thought you were American for the first turn or so because you were wearing a Steelers hat, and um, I don't think I'd ever seen anyone wearing a Steelers anything in Australia. So uh, I was like, this guy must be American or Canadian or something. How the hell does he follow the Steelers? Mm, that's right. That's right. But it's pretty popular now. The old NFL. It's, it it's grown in the. Well, that would have been at least ten years ago. Now I reckon. God, at least, at least. Um, but you know what else has gained in popularity in the in the recent years? I hear Star Wars Legion. Oh man! Oh man! You know, Star Wars Legion. It's a, it's a funny um, it's a funny old game for me because I actually pre-ordered the core set before it came out, mm -hmm. and then um, I bought it, but. Never, I didn't open it for like a year yeah. um, because the thing that happened was it got delayed. Like I yeah. think, didn't it get delayed by about three months or something? It was, it was a long time. Yeah. So by the time I actually got my hands on it, I'd already um, gotten jazzed about other stuff mm -hmm. and then it kind of just sat in my closet. Um, and and it, then, took a while to, it took a while to pick up steam really. Like once it did come out, it did. Um, it didn't really have the sort of the breadth that it has now. Yeah. And I got into, um, like I really started building stuff and, and playing games with you, Brad, when I think what, what did it for me is when the Wookiee warriors came out and that's yes. when I'm like, okay, it's time for me to work out what this game's about. Cause those models were sick. Yeah. And, um, still, still remain one of my favorite units in the game, even though if we're talking super competitive, they're very difficult to fit. What, in what, your are, you list. what are you talking about? Nick? Oh, we don't talk about What's... that on this podcast. <laughs> no, 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 I was going to say no, tactics. Actually, Are we going to talk about that? I don't know what that means. And I put them on the table every game. Yeah. Just like my T47. That's right. That's right. Which the T47, I've just been building one. Oh, man. Oh, baby. For for a model that came out in the first wave, and I have to admit that the corset stuff is – it, the sculpts are great, but because of the material and that that they use, and obviously they have yeah. to refine their process, they need quite a bit of work to to clean up. But the T forty seven is a maze. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a pretty model. Well, uh, I know that we have a tiny bit of a Skype lag, and so that's going to lead to us occasionally talking over one another. We will try and edit most of that out, ladies and gentlemen, but. It will happen like it just did. Um, so we are going to go to direct questioning. Now, Drew, I know it's only been a week 
since we got start since we last spoke on this podcast. Uh, but have you gotten up to any hobby since we were last on? And I asked this knowing full damn well that you have. What have you been <laughs> up to? Because I know the last episode we were both like, I kind of finished painting two models and that was a month ago and I haven't done much. So what have you done? Because I've done stuff and you've done stuff. It has been yeah. an exciting week for Legion. What have you been up to? I feel like the last week has matched my last month uh, in terms of hobby. Um, so I've got uh, two squads of Purge Troopers finished. Uh, I'm finishing the bases, bases off, hopefully over the next couple of nights. Um, I've got a few characters ready for them, or uh, sorry, a few generic officers ready for them, and Anakin. Uh, this is alt history Anakin who defeated Obi Wan, so he's uh, he's not in his um, he's not in his Vader suit, uh, but he's but he's uh, gone to the dark side. Uh, I finished my bark. Nice. which I was really happy with. And I've made it all modular, so like all the options click, click on and off with magnets. And I had an old ATRT. I picked up a couple of secondhand ones last year, which I hadn't got around to painting. So I decided to uh, dust one of those off and take the rider off. And I've started painting that up to match my Purge Trooper Army. And at some point, I'll find a pilot for it. That's awesome, Ooh, baby. man. And, and what, what are the Purge Troopers being game? Pardon me? What, what are, are they? Purge Troopers? Being game, yeah. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna play them as clones, because so according to the the law, that's what they are. They're the last batch of clones made, actually made by the Empire, not by the Republic, um, and hmm. they were assigned to the Inquisitorius, who were the as the Inquisitors, so the the Jedi hunters. So, yeah. um, they, but yeah, they just followed the Inquisitors around and uh, sort of did their grunt work for them. Um, yeah. But so I'm running it as a clone army but it's got all sorts of imperial iconography on it um it's got vader in it and i'm hopefully gonna put a few more inquisitors in there uh when i can and then just sort of yep. it's black shiny clones rather than white clones yeah 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 are you in the melbourne star wars group yeah. the facebook group uh because yes i think someone posted in there today that they saw a retailers order list and mm-hmm. i think they said anakin was on that list or something they did <gasps> oh that's exciting yeah, so that, that means you you will actually have rules for um well i imagine anakin's going to be in the republic army he wouldn't oh, be I in could, the empire yeah i was for me it was a matter of when not if but that was what yeah. i was waiting for so that when anakin becomes available for the um for the republic either i can use my sort of dark robed Anakin model, or I can just use my Vader model. Mm-hmm. Yep. And both will work. Yeah, I think that's really cool. Really, really cool. I think, would you use Vader because the Purge Troopers are like a bit later than Anakin in Dark Robes? Because he's sort of, he would be the 501st if you take well, yeah, kind if, of... Anakin in robes, he was only ever Vader in robes, like, you know, for for a matter of hours. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it wouldn't match for him to be like that, but I just think it's it, that's my sort of alternate history kind of version. But the uh, looks, but Vader matches the, the armor more thematically, the, the army yeah. more thematically. Um, yeah. And Drew, oh, that gloss armor that and I I want to draw an underline under this thing, especially the bark. You have done such a beautiful job of it's non not non metallic metallics because it's gloss black black. But it's non-gloss, gloss black, if that makes sense. It's sensational. You have totally nailed 
the um, the the horizon effect on the side of the black to make it look like it is glossy, and it man, those pictures are sweet. Oh, thank you. So it's um, non 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 metallic metal. Yes. <laughs> so it's it's metal. It's, wait, it is metal. I don't know. Tri- triple negative. Uh, um, what what have you been up to, Brad? So uh, going on the same uh, theme that Nick was just talking about, about having having models for things for uh, before the rules are out, um, I took out a box of my Skullforge models, and I discovered I had way more than I had remembered um, acquiring over many, many orders from many, many places. <laughs> Such a Brad problem. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter okay. Why? <laughs> yeah, so there's always a box of goodies. <laughs> yeah, it's it's out actually it's actually out of control. Um, so this week I have um, because uh, everything was on its uh, resin 3D print um, scaffolds. So I very carefully have cut all the miniatures off them and then um, you know shaved um, the rough surfaces where there were little bumps from where the scaffolds touched the little dimples. Um, I've smoothed them out, cut them down, and made them all sweet and ready to go. And uh, I started priming models and realized that I have <clears throat> 30 Skullforge models uh, on the painting desk at the moment. <laughs> so um, uh, the, the, I've started with the Jawas, which is what I s- talked about last time. So I have six Skullforge Jawas that I've base-coated and washed, and I'm hoping to start uh, detail painting the robes next week. Um, I've got an old Obi-Wan and Hermit robes that I'm looking forward to painting a very similar way. Um, I've got Cara Dune from The Mandalorian and uh, Paz Vizsla, who is Jon Favreau in the giant Mandalorian suit um, Mm -hmm. with the giant minigun. I've got Woody Harrelson's um, character from Solo in Imperial uh, Officer gear with his two pistols out. And I have a monster pile of Inferno Squad getting to finally what I was talking about before. Um, I have a lot of Inferno Squad troops that I am going to paint up as at least one squad of Inferno, uh, Inferno Squad with all the weapon variants that I can just have ready to go on day dot. Um, and I say this knowing that in the mail tomorrow I'm supposed to get Vital Assets and Eden Verso. So once I get Eden... I'm going to start painting that unit in mass, and I will have both her and the unit to put her in. So I'm super excited about that. Um, and yeah, yeah, super. Just could not be more excited about all these great models, especially since uh, Skullforged announced some new models today. So I'm just going to have to get some more. Drew, do you want to talk about some of those awesome new models that are going to be coming <laughs> our way very soon? Just It just so happened they released... Uh, their new their new lot new new wave this afternoon, and mm-hmm. we've got the uh, the ATDT, which is probably the most obvious one there for Brad's uh, Menbin army. Yes, yeah. We we're just talking about that, weren't we? Like, hmm, if only someone made such a thing. Oh, there, look, there it is, and there it is, um, coming my way. Thank you, Jordan. My favorite, I'd say, my favorite scene from any Star Wars media. Uh, the Duel of the Fates, which um, is now going to be realized as a trio, or mm-hmm. there's three models. We've got young Obi-Wan, we've got Qui-Gon, and we've got Maul. And I have ordered them all to paint just as a tabletop figure, but I I will definitely order the, th- the trio at some point. 
um, and built myself a diorama of that uh, of that final battle. That's the best lightsaber duel in the all of Star Wars. So I, I I think I think that's the case. Yeah, like that that is literally like that is the coolest thing about the prequels, and I don't think that that was the first time we got to see a lightsaber battle that wasn't two old men or do you know what I mean? Like it was the first yeah, time yeah, yeah. as me as a fan, like those movies from the seventies and eighties, I watched on VHS cause they were before my time, but mm. I loved them. And, and obviously Star Wars that way. But then as a 14 year old getting to watch Phantom Menace and seeing finally Jedi sort of at the peak of their power and seeing him flip everywhere and throw use force push to throw boxes at each other. That was the coolest jewel that's ever been had yeah it was yes. so good yes and then the two-sided lightsaber like that was it's such a like it's so commonplace now in, in right? star wars to see that the first the time he goes like that. one and then the other you're like what is yeah. that yeah. Yeah. it's a shame it was, i can even remember now it's a shame they, they kind of spoiled that in um in all the promo stuff yeah. because it, that would have been like it would have been absolutely amazing to see more pop that second blade without having seen it in trailers or posters or anything, just like mm-hmm. come out of nowhere. Like, oh. Well, I don't think I, I saw any of the promo material. I certainly, I, I, I remember being completely surprised by it and like just it blowing my mind. Yeah. That would have been cool. That would have been cool. Yeah, yeah. I saw, I did see it in the promo, even though I was avoiding uh promo for that, like the plague. Um, but we went en masse in the trade sales team at Games Workshop. Uh, I think we shut down. It was one of the few times in Games Workshop history that we shut down early and we all went to the local uh, mall, Rundle Mills, I think it was, and we all sat down and watched that and it was truly amazing. Uh, yeah, it was, it was fantastic. Even though that movie has its moments of being not fantastic, that was uh, pretty special. It was the first time since me being a little kid that I was able to get back in and have a new Star Wars experience with a bunch of people who were, you know, if anything, older than me. So uh, it was just, you know, we got to nerd out. And then, of course, we went for beers and tore it to pieces. But it was great. Um, yeah. But uh, if I can quickly touch back on uh, Skull Forge, the thing about the ADDT, and I want to make sure that I mention this, is not only does it come with the Imperial Gunner, who looks like a TIE fighter pilot, which is amazing, but it comes with an alternate Rodian Gunner. Um, so you can use it for both Rebels and or for cool. Imperial. Um, now, I'm not sure what the Rebels would use it as, but I'm absolutely using that bad boy as uh, an AT-AT with a mortar attachment slash a couple of other guns, and I'm just going to dice pool people off the table from long distance, and it's going to be <laughs> fantastic. But anyway. Um, um, but, yeah, he also did a couple of alt fantasy models. Um, he's done like an alt Japanese Vader and Luke before. Um, and now he's done, it looks almost like an Indonesian Sith Lord, um, almost Mortal Kombat looking, um, and a Ben Solo, uh, sort of an alt Ben Solo with a cape uh, that looks yeah, fantastic cool, as well. Yeah, right? So yeah, very cool. Um, yeah, Jordan, we love you. Hashtag Skullforge. Uh, could not love their stuff more. Can't wait for the to get those pieces. Uh, add them to the old Minbin army, and uh, yeah, oof, I'm excited. Excited. Yeah, it's, 
Now, um, Nick, we've we've been very rudely talking about our hobby. Um, now, people may not know you as the man who spent eight years painting a, a high elf general on a horse. Um, yeah, would, you, yeah. would you like to tell us what percentage that horse lord is finished at at the moment before you say what you've been up to? Because we have shared pictures of your tauntauns on our Facebook feed before. Because your skills, you know, if you know old school GW, I mean, you know what you're doing. So talk to us a little bit about your hobby, my man. What have you been up to? So, the, so the cap prince is at ninety nine point six. Eight, four, seven percent done. Um, Repeating, yeah. And I don't think you'll ever get to a hundred percent because that will be the end of Warhammer Fantasy Eighth Edition for me. So I think by me never finishing him, it means that Warhammer Eighth Edition lives on in my heart in some. Is he your way. end times? He's your end times. He's my end times. Um, so he, I don't think he'll ever get done. But um, isolation has been quite good for my hobby time Ooh. because um, I had quite a few things. I got, got quite a list of stuff to get through to have. I've never had a full faction of any game that I played completely painted. Um, and I'm about 15 models away from that with the rebels. Really? And yeah. And admittedly um, the delays helped me quite a bit um, that FFG have been, um, unfortunately, and well, now the whole <laughs> yeah. world um, have been subjected to um, because it's allowed me some time to catch up. And mm -hmm. so I've just finished recently um, an X-34 land speeder, um, nice. which I've, I'd never painted a vehicle before because I didn't play 40K before Star Wars Legion. Mm -hmm. um, so that was a really interesting project because what I realized by the end of it is I spent a heap of time highlighting particular panels and that sort of thing um, and then realized either um, Splimo Magnet Butt was going to sit on one side of it and cover it, yep. um, the rocket launcher was going to be on the other side covering it, and then I was going to do battle damage as well. Mm -hmm. So I spent like like maybe three or four hours doing this really intense um, panel highlighting, which didn't end up mattering anyway. So that things that now when I paint the T47, I, I have a better understanding of like, where do I put the effort in? Where do I not bother because it's just going to be covered with battle damage or, yeah. um, you know, whatever anyway. So it was, I, I think that model is not the T47. We already know that's, I, I think that's a great model, yeah. but the X34 is, it's a really, really nice model. The sculpts um, of the driver and the, um, the two gunners are really cool. And I think it just, it's so iconic in Star Wars. It is. Um, yeah. You know, from from the very first movie and then also from from shows like Rebels and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, I just want to chuck it on the table just because of the coolness factor. And, in fact, it's in my, um, in my Invader League list for that very reason because I just mm -hmm. finished painting it. And, you know, you know how when you finish painting something, you're like, I just want to get it on the table, but we can't right now? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think using it for Invader League. So I, I got that done, and then um, I've been working my way through the. Um, I've just finished the heavy weapons from two uh, Rebel Trooper upgrade packs. So nice. I finished the shotgun, Ithorian, and the um, DLT, mm -hmm. um, which 
which is great in game, but also that model is super fun because the Thelen is like super bright colors. So my um my whole army is like based around the Battle of Scarif, not mm-hmm. from a um, not from a conversion point of view. I've just I, I'm not a I've never really taken the time to become a converter. Like I, mm. but I like um the color schemes from Scarif and yeah. that sort of thing. So my my actual army is quite bland. It's very khaki and green and brown and and black um but being able to do like purple skin and bright orange hair that was that was really really fun it just makes that that heavy weapon just pop that little bit more yeah um so i've been working through that um i've got a couple more of those to do like the two trooper captains and the the specialists Mm -hmm. um and then been working on the other upgrade packs, the ones with the officers in them, the um, the comms expert um, or the comms technician, and then the the two droids. So once I get through those, I've got um, the rest of the squads of a commando unit. So mm-hmm. that's about eight commandos because no one ever uses anything but the sniper and the unit leader. But <laughs> I've got the rest of them. Um, and I'm keen to put them on the table once I paint them because I think full units of those are really cool. Yeah. Um, and then I've got uh, a couple Rebel Trooper heavy weapons, and my whole collection is done, except for Sabine Wren, which I just forgot about. Um, but I'm saving her till because she's going to be a she's going to be a whole month of painting just to get her right. Yeah, those colors. So yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, that those colors and that freehand are really crazy. Um, if you want to go to town on it. Definitely. Uh, you have to be, I mean, given that you're looking forward to Scarif, I mean, you got to be excited about Cassian, right? Man, Cassian is my, he was the reason I, I wanted to do a Pathfinder Scarif army to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, because he's just such a cool character. Like, and he's so, it was the first time in a Star Wars movie with Rogue One that you got, you got to see the side of the rebels that was a bit, not creepy, but like very gray. Yeah. You know how at the very start, yeah. spoiler alert, he just shoots the informant. Yeah. He's like, whatever, you're dead. Yeah. Um, and so he's he was such a cool character because he he wasn't the typical Star Wars hero of like, no, I'm the super good guy. He always does the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was just enthralled from that point onwards with with the character of Cassian Andor. You get a little bit of his backstory, totally. Um, in terms of him being part of the rebellion from from birth, so. With Cassian around the corner, oh man, I'm so excited. What about the show? You excited about that? Yeah, yeah. I haven't heard much about it since they mm. sort of announced it. But oh man, it, what I imagine it to be is going to be Star Wars Jack Ryan, essentially. Yeah. Um, and if that's the case, then I will watch it over and over and over again. I'm more excited for that than I was for The Mandalorian, that's for sure. Okay. Oh, oh, them's fighting words. I was, <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm a Mandalorian man myself. I've been listening to the Mandalorian soundtrack all week. Last week was the Westworld soundtrack. This week, Mandalorian. It's a really nice soundtrack, though. Oh, it is. It's so good. The Mandalorian. And that's not to disparage the Mandalorian. I thought the Mandalorian was great, but mm-hmm. I'm just more excited about a Cassian yeah. Andor show. Like, yeah, that too. The Mandalorian really has introduced quite a lot of really cool stuff into the lore. And what I loved about it the most was it was the first bit of Star Wars stuff that we saw that – um, brought together both mythologies of the prequel trilogy mm-hmm. and the sequel trilogy. Like, like seeing... A... Keep going. No, I thought that was something I thought was missing from the sequel trilogy was that kind of 
or that I noticed in the sequel trilogy was that kind of distancing from the, the prequels. Yeah. It kind of felt like, yeah. no, we don't, nope, that didn't happen. Don't, nothing, you know, there's no, no Gungans here. Um, yeah. Right. There was no droid stuff. There was no, none, like, because in The Mandalorian, really, it's the destroyed droid stuff and mm-hmm. and the, the visual cues that you get from the, the prequel trilogy that have then been aged and added into the, yeah. the visual cues that you get from the original trilogy. Exactly. And, yeah, the sequels didn't have that at all. No, they didn't. Uh, the Mandalorian just has so many right feels for me. I think it's because... Um, when I was a little kid, there was, what was the name of that movie? And I want to say it's the battle for Endor. It was like a made for TV movie. And to this day, I can't remember, you know, the greater plot points other than that there were kids in it. And, but (laughs) I remember it being sort of like a seedier version of star Wars. And it probably wasn't like, I have a very fond recollection of Buck Rogers. And then I recently watched my favorite Buck Rogers episode ever space vampire Wow, that 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 took a giant flaming one, uh, steaming one, I should say, on my childhood's memory. But um, yep. my memory of, for example, the Battle for Endor, um, the te- like the television movie, was that it gave us more Star Wars. Um, but it wasn't the Star Wars we knew, but it was the Star Wars universe. It was accessible. You could connect with it, and it just it, it expanded out. It was like the camera turned right. Um, in a in yeah. battle scene from Star Wars and all of a, from one of the movies, and then you're like, oh, look over here. In a way, it's like the Rosencrantz and Gilderstern of um, Star Wars, if you get that Hamlet reference, guys. So for me, The Mandalorian's pitch perfect. You have the right amount of villainy, uh, the right amount of gray morality. You have mm-hmm. heroics, uh, and you just have a million shady characters, and it's yeah, yeah it's great, so good. It's it's just a good story set in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? It's and the same mm. with similar with Rogue One in that there's not really Jedi, there's no there's none of that really big epic right. This is the fate of the universe, mm. even though it is, they're getting the plans for the Death Star. Yeah. But it's it's a cool story on its own mm-hmm. that just happens to be in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. Exactly. Um well, it seems Mandalorian hits the mark as well. It seems like the second season might veer away from that or or veer back towards the kind of Jedi side of things, but I'm cool with that. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm cool to see uh, Rosario Dawson as uh, Ahsoka. Yes. Very cool. Very cool. Now we can 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 talk about, we can talk about this all day long, but (laughs) Drew, it is 30 minutes on the nose and that means something has to happen right now. And that so is. So we should stop talking about trivia. Yes. And start talking about trivia. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to the Beyond the First Marker Trivia Challenge. Now, I am losing woefully at this point. Drew, how far am I behind? Three? Uh, two? Two, two, no, no, one point, dude. One point. Oh, God. Thank God. That's my um, first lead. <laughs> however, we are going to mix it up. As Drew is currently in the lead, uh, he will be representing us against our guest. So, Nick, you are in the hot seat tonight, and you are taking on Drew. Now, I have literally just opened uh, our uh, podcast copy of Trivial Pursuit Star Wars Edition, uh, and I have pulled out a handful of random cards. Now, at the end of each one of these podcasts, the cards that have been used uh, are, have been written over and then uh, have been torn up and thrown away. So we never get the same questions twice. <laughs> um, and 
Because it's Trivial Pursuit, some of the questions are pure pants, and some of them are actually good questions. Um, so you are going to get a little bit of the luck of the draw tonight. Um, now, if one of you feels that you, the other one is getting an unfair advantage, I'm sure we can come up with something. Uh, but have you got a D6 handy? <laughs> I do. Just just roll just roll like give give us the the D6 question off each card. How about that? Uh, no, because the que- some of these questions are just god-awful. <laughs> like, I I would not do that to our listeners or to you. So, right. uh, ladies and gentlemen, Nick, you are the uh, away team. Uh, would you like to go first, or would you like to make Drew go first? Lay it on me. I'm ready to go. All right. We'll warm you up with something not too hard. Here we go. Who sums up the Ewok language as a very primitive dialect. C-3PO. Correct. So we have, uh, the away team has a uh, has a point. Drew, you also get a, uh, uh, it's not easy, but it's on the easier side. Uh, <laughs> question to warm us up. What kind of character did Luke initially tell Yoda he was looking for on Dagobah? A great warrior. Correct. Oof, you guys are on fire. All right. Uh, Now, it it is a bit of a pedantic question, Nick, but I know that you don't mind the Clone Wars, so I'm going to throw this one at you. Who is the Mm. first prisoner in the Geonosis execution arena who gets free of their handcuffs? Uh, It is Padme. Correct. Yeah, I just watched that this week. Yeah, Yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh, do you do you find it that the whatever is it the Rancor that um it's not the Rancor it's, it's got another name yeah it's got it's another a, name the next two is the cat the next yeah and it's precisely the right position to expose her midriff but do no other damage uh, yeah yeah that was probably a marketing decision there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so fun fact uh friend of the show uh old friend of mine uh and i i don't know if she wants me to say her name on this so i won't um but i have a friend who works for the melbourne uh ballet company as a uh, as a costume creator um she actually has the uh title lead cutter of the ballet which is a pretty badass title if you ask me um (laughs) but she worked on films for years and uh for example the movie kangaroo jack she helped uh sew the jumper that the kangaroo wore when not cgi'd um but that is the least popular thing on her uh discography or filmography whatever you want to call it she made quite a few star she worked on um Phantom Menace, and she also worked on Attack of the Clones, and she made, I think, seven of those Padme costumes a day for three Whoa. weeks. Um, because Why did they make so many? Because they had to get the dyeing of them right, so they'd make the costumes and then weather them, and if they weren't weathered correctly, they had to discard them. And so she just made countless copies yeah. of the same costume uh, she said she also made a couple of Palpatine's robes, but she only had to do a couple of those because they those were fine. Those were um, clean. Yeah, but the dirty ones, because it was that white and it had to be weathered. So I thought that was a neat film fact. All right. <laughs> on, a, on a slightly related note, I'm going to buy like 20, diff- 20 copies of, um, of Padman and just convert up a whole bunch of different 
uh, costumes. No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to do that. I was going to say, are you doing what? <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> Look, what you drew, it's possible. Uh, so right now we're three and, uh, sorry, two and one. Uh, we've had three questions, uh, two and one. So Drew, your second question. What is the only shipboard system that Han Solo leaves active while making repairs in the asteroid cave? Life support. Uh, would you like to try that again with a different name? Uh, it's a very pedantic question, which is why I'm giving you a second try at that. All right. Um, they do mention it by name. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, no, I can't think of anything else, but all right, I'll, it, take, I'll take a hit. It is the emergency power systems. Ah, uh, Okay. Yeah, that's a bit different. Okay, that was that that was hard. So, Nick, I'm going to throw you a slightly harder one at this point. Uh, we'll see if you are up on it. Who asks the Tidarium for its cargo and destination? Oh, the Tidarium for its cargo and destination. Mm -hmm. Is it talking? Good guess. No, Tarkin is unfortunately dead at that point. Uh, it is my one of my favorite Star Wars characters, Admiral Piat. I uh, oh, yeah. I'm hoping one of these days I get one of him uh, on the tabletop. Uh, now, Drew, I do think I owe you one that isn't quite as brutal. Which <laughs> winged creature's cry does sound designer Ben Burt describe as? Take a horse whinny at half speed and mix it with itself in reverse. I'll give you a hint. Winged creature. A Minoc. Correct. <laughs> so you're back in the same scene. Thank you. No worries. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought I'd, uh, you know, make up for my, make up for that one. All right. Um, now, uh, Nick, I got another Clone Wars question for you. Is that all right? Mm. All right. Which member of the Jedi Council is piloting a fighter when he is shot down by his clone troopers. That is Plo Koon. Correct. Uh, there we go. Now, um, ooh, here we go. Uh, Drew, this is going to get a little ugly. Let's see how your yeah. memory is. <laughs> how many credits does Obi-Wan Kenobi promise Han Solo will receive once they reach Alderaan? I want to say 20,000. So close. 15. Ah. 15,000. Uh, now, uh, Drew, can you give us the, uh, the, the, the score? Where are we? Oh, I think I'm on, I'm on two for four and Nick is on three for four. That is correct. Uh, now, last question each. Is that correct? I think so. All right. Here we go. Um, oh, these these are the worst questions. <laughs> okay. Nick, who interrupts Shimmy Skywalker's funeral with an urgent message? Uh, I know this. I watched it like a month ago. Uh, um... 
Is it Obi Wan? Good guess. Very good guess. It's R two D two. Oh, I thought I had that. I would have got it wrong. Uh, well, I have uh, I have a, a fairly ugly one, uh, but you seem to like these ones, Drew. So this yeah, yeah, may yeah. not be ugly. Here we go. Which now going back to our very first episode ever, Battle for Hoth. Which snowspeeder pilot has the call sign Rogue Three? Um, uh, I, I'm. I'm guessing here. Um, is that Wedge? Yep. Wedge and oh. Tilly's. <laughs> that was a guess. I'm sorry. Well, how many snowspeeder pilots can you name that aren't Luke? You got Wedge? Yep. You got... Um, is Dak in the, in the Battle of Hoth? And Hobby? Uh, yeah, Hobby is. Yep, yep. He is. Um, but yeah, those are the only ones that I could think of. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I played the Star Wars card game way back when, and they na- all the named characters had a card. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I'm excited that uh, we had a tie there. So uh, Nick, you'll just have to come back and uh, visit us again sometime, and maybe then next time you'll face me and you'll win easily. Uh, deal. <laughs> uh, I was I was I heard from um. Uh, a guy I met down at the Frankston store, Marcus, and I've uh, been chatting with him a bit this week. Um, and he said he likes the trivia because he just cringes whenever we uh, yeah, get it wrong. Whenever we get them wrong, <laughs> like not as much as I cringe. Oh man, it's I'm one of those Marcus. things. I'm I'm really good at Star Wars trivia. I've won Star Wars trivia competitions before uh, at Games Workshop, and those people know get and they know Star Wars. Uh, I just, the second I get put on the spot on a microphone in front of me, forget about it. I don't know. I, I forget my name. And you would think after all these years that wouldn't happen. But mm, anyway, Nick. What was that, Nick? I just, uh, I know Marcus. He's a good guy. I've played him a couple of times. Nice. Yeah. He's really friendly. Um, and he's, uh, he's, he's helping me with a bit of a project. So, um, I'll uh, talk about that another time, but yeah. Um, I haven't actually played him yet, but nice. <laughs> I kind of met him and then planned to get back down there um yeah in march or april and then everything stopped so yeah i haven't been back to the frank store in a while but i, I hope to yeah the big uh school holiday where we were supposed to play a lot of games drew uh yeah kind of got stopped and uh stopped cold and it's yeah so i'm looking forward to having another painted star wars army the next time we play and if <laughs> i don't you will and if probably both of us We'll get there soon. Yeah. Um, So let's 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 talk about the uh, the reason we're here tonight. Um, So far, this has all just been, um, you know, chatting, having a good time. We do have a serious reason to be here, though, Um, and that is that this week um, there is a collective of, um, I believe they're all Melbourne-based gamers Mm -hmm. who are contributing and putting together um, a fanzine, I guess, for for Star Wars Legion. Uh, and Nick is, are you in the editing team, Nick? I um, I think Dion does most of the editing. We're kind of, um, I'm part of the content creation um, and, and writing the articles and, and getting all that together. It's kind of a, it, it's a team effort, but it'd be um, remiss of me not to say that most of the work is getting done by Dion. I mean, it's his, um, 
it's his baby and his brainchild. And it's a great idea. Mm. Um, and I have been surprised at how good it is. And I, and I saw it from the beginning and the, the almost finished product, which should be out in the next, uh, um, few weeks or so. We haven't set any hard um, release dates because we want to get this first one right before yeah, we um, release it. But but it's nearly there. It's not it's not far away at all. Um, it's he's done a great job. He's done a really really good job. Yeah, and I look. We were talking with Dion. Clearly, uh, Drew spoilers may have contributed to this, and he'll talk about that in a minute. But we did say, hey, Dion, why don't you come on and talk about this? And he very uh, graciously said, you know, Nick's really good at uh, talking about these things. And he's been a part of this project. So Nick is the pretty face. Um, not to say that Dion is not pretty. He's a very handsome man. But uh, Nick will be here today to, to represent the product. But it should absolutely be said that Dion has put a, has put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. And I know a lot of people have. Our, our good friend James Brett is in it uh, as well. Yep. And so... There's a you know there's a lot of great contributors and when this comes out I hope you all uh, enjoy it and then thank Nick and Dion and everyone else behind it because yeah amazing but Nick so you know it's an online hobby magazine uh, tell us more what is it what is the yeah, name sorry. how can we find it now um, give us the 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 story so it's, it's the Bands of the Legion magazine and the best way to get it, um, we haven't quite decided what the best way to release it is, but um, if you like the Bands of the Legion on Facebook, um, that is the official Facebook page of the magazine. Um, and essentially what it is, is I don't know. Well, you guys definitely will remember, but some of the listeners may not, but you know, the heyday of white dwarf in sort of the, the mid to late nineties when you got hobby articles. You got cool battle reports. You, you got, got my face in it. Uh, was that? <laughs> I got my face in a, in a white dwarf back in the uh, mid-90s. Yeah, were you in a white dwarf? Uh, in the, in the, the sort of like the openings of a store crowd shots. And yeah, I got my face in there. That is peak white dwarf. That's how you know it's good. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think white dwarf even at the time had like different versions for different countries and that sort of thing. Like there was an Australian team and mm-hmm. a... UK is that right, Brad? That is correct. There was the main magazine was out of the UK, and that was sort of uh, the 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 home magazine. And then major wargaming uh, hotbed countries like Australia, the US had their own hobby teams. Brian Cook uh, was the editor of the White Dwarf um, management team here down in Australia. He did a lot of the work. Uh, he, you know, good friend of ours does a lot of Legion painting. You will see his stuff around. Um, but a lot of my friends in the U S worked on the U S version, uh, and my old drinking buddies and they, yeah, were the U S promotions team. So each country had its own version. Um, I wrote several, well, one very long, well, one long-winded article for the U.S. edition in my stupid mug showed up in a bunch of the other ones, but never <laughs> did that appear in any other country. Um, so, yeah, they were very um, strategic about choosing people from the country that they were in because they wanted to uh, attract those audiences. Anyway, sorry, I'll uh, Brad, stop talking. Brad, Brad you, just, you just finished speaking to, um, uh, to Dave. Dave uh, Taylor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who was – I remember seeing his face – a lot in uh, in the Australian White Dwarf. Anyway. He was also the U.S. Uh, sorry, the Australian White Dwarf editor at one point, and he, I believe, may have been the manager of the U.S. White Dwarf at one point. 
Um, but yes, his stuff was all over all the white dwarfs. Okay. <laughs> because yeah, anyway, very talented man. Let's t- let's talk and more so, about <laughs> our magazine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so the Banter Legion is kind of a homage to that era of white dwarf when when it was about a hobby, not about selling miniatures. And mm-hmm. so um, all the articles are really um, quite closely cultivated. I know there's a painting guide in there. There's, I'll let you talk about your uh, your guide in in a second, Drew. But there's um, there's information on um, James preparing for Worlds, which is was a, a great little read. Josh, mm-hmm. the other major contributor, um, is giving us some information on him planning a table, and that's going to be a um, over the next few issues. It's, that's going to be coming to life. Um, we've got some some articles on on different basing techniques and how we each base our miniatures differently. Mm-hmm. Um, mine in particular is um, how I get the um, the crispness of those arc lines, those sight lines that you need on some of the big bases. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really it's really just a magazine by I love this old adage, but it's it's by gamers for gamers essentially. And mm-hmm. we just kind of put stuff in that, that we would like to see in, in magazines um, and read from. Um, unfortunately, given what's going on in the universe at the moment, um, we did plan on having a battle report in there. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if we'll be able to get that done. We've, we've got some ways that we're hoping to work around it, but it may not be possible before the first um, issue gets out. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's certainly going to be a big part of issues going forward is, is exciting battle reports um, and then e- even um, ways to recreate Famous battles is, is a big part of it. So this one's going to be a bumper ep, um, episode or yes. bumper issue, and yeah. it's only going to get better and better as we get better at it. Um, but but Drew, you have something very exciting in this magazine. Oh, um, thank you. Uh, so yeah, Dion asked um, Brad and I if we would like to contribute something to the uh, to the first episode as a as guest contributors, which we jumped at, of course. Um, and I had. Uh, earlier this year, I think I put out some uh, pictures or a video of a um, of a Infinity Tunnel Imperial hangar um, using mirrors and lights and sort of optical trickery to to create that effect. And magic is the <laughs> word that you use. Magic is what you were using. Um, Sorcery. So Dion asked, well, Dion asked if I'd like to explain that in in an article. Um, I hadn't really done a lot of documenting of it when I built it, um, and I didn't feel like making another one just yet. Uh, so I decided to go with another old school optical um, optical magic trick. Sorcery. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and this one's Pepper's Ghost. So essentially the trick is that you've got the uh, stage magician who um, says some sort of magic word and a ghost appears on stage. And everyone's like, oh, and they fade dead away. And um, they're, all, they're all shocked and amazed. And then all the millennials are like, yawn. Um <laughs> So, um, yeah, essentially, you're using a sort of a semi-silvered mirror to to create an image from one place in another place. And I thought, how can I use this? And this just screamed hologram to me because it's mm-hmm. just like you kind of get this ghostly image of something. I also had a Pez dispenser um, with a uh, with the the Emperor's head on it, which my kids had stopped using. So I thought. I'm going to use that. So I took that. So if you'd like to know how I turned um, a Pez dispenser uh, and some lighting into a uh, hologram chamber, an Imperial hologram chamber, 
should check out the magazine. It's actually wizardry. It this is. thing is I, I didn't know you were doing this article and then I was doing the proofread with everyone. And I was like, he did what? How yeah. what? How does that look like that? What like it just it blew my mind. This is it's <laughs> insane. And now you can do it too. Um that's but- right. Well, no, I'm just going to get you to do one for me. <laughs> exactly. And then I'll, I'll, I'll do a, a, a if, if I get if I get invited back, I'll do a follow up um, article on building the building around it, so that I can actually use it on the tabletop. Because at the moment, it's just kind of a a black box with some wires uh, sticking to it, which yeah doesn't look great, <laughs> except except from one particular angle. Uh, everywhere else, it just looks very unfinished. So. Um, it, it- Looks so cool. Uh, I'm I'm really excited for the for the listeners to read this article because yes. and I feel like I feel like if you've got a video of it, I think it's going to do it even more justice because the, I I feel like the pit you can't capture it with a picture. You need to move around it and mm-hmm. and see it and maybe maybe you'll only be able to see the full glory of it in person. But it's it's amazing. Yeah. Um. Well, I could do it. I'll, I'll... Sure, do a video. I mean, I have a couple of videos already, but they're not very good quality, so I'll try and get something better. Um, so, how many how many regular contributors are there to the to the magazine, there, Nick? Um, well, however many have contributed so far. Well, because it's only obviously the first issue, mm. so there'll be four of us. There's four of us in the little team yeah. um, that uh, are going to be recurring, and then obviously, um, you know, we'll, we'll try and get as many community members to jump in as well because um i think the thing with with star wars legion is that there's a really big sleeper community um having a chat to a few of the store owners that i know it actually sells incredibly well Mm -hmm. like it's their fastest selling miniatures game but some for some reason people go and buy it and then disappear they Mm -hmm. they don't come back into the store to play or that so for whatever reason the the people who are out there, it's just about finding what each individual type of gamer is there for or hobbyist is there for and then building the community around that. Um, Nick, I can think, I can I point out quietly that you may be talking to two of those people? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Sorry. Well, no, not really, um, because you're quite, you're quite vocal. I mean, you have a podcast. That's true. Um, that's true. But I, I think – with Legion, there's a whole group because all the the media that I consume with Legion is the the Fifth Trooper do an amazing job they of do. collaborating, bring every, bringing everything together. But but the loudest voices, and the same was with Warhammer, and the same with really any mm-hmm. miniatures game, is often the loudest voices are the hyper competitive tournament players. Yes, because that's the events, that's where people connect with each other, that's yeah. what um, keeps you thinking about a game over and over and over. Is like how can I build this list? How can I do this? that? That's what really intrigues you um, from mm-hmm. a gaming point of view. And I, so I feel like that is often the the public face of any any game. But I think Star Wars, more so than anything else, has this huge fan base and this huge sleeper population that are, are the silent majority, to be honest. Um, we, and this magazine yeah. is, is sort of an attempt to, to bring those people together. I mean, this is sort of the podcast for that. We've had a couple of people message and say, yeah, I love Star Wars Legion. And every time I try and listen to another podcast, you know, I start to listen to the deep analysis and, you know, efficiency conversations. And about five minutes in, my eyes start to cross and I fall asleep. And you go, you know, I listen to those podcasts, too. And I and I'm not saying they're boring at all. I actually listen. 
I am a repeat listener of almost all the Star Wars Legion podcasts. I love them. But there get to be a point where I'm not playing at that hyper edge and either I'll start yelling at the telephone, um, which, you know, when I'm walking, (laughs) my dog makes me look strange, or I just don't understand what they're saying because I'm not at that level of play. And so I think um, having something that's a little, I mean, we are... We are the farthest thing. If there's a bright, shiny center of the universe that is uh, competitive uh, meta-analysis of units, this ain't it, kids. But um, just being able to sit down and talk Star Wars, I think, is you know fun for a lot of people. And I know we're not the hyper-competitive crowds listen, but welcome to Star Wars Legion, guys, if you are not that guy. But yeah, sorry, Drew, I cut you off. Go ahead. I, I was listening to... Um... Uh, to We Are Legion podcast, which is mm-hmm. uh, another Australian podcast, which started up um, uh, earlier this year. That's right. Um, and they did they did an uh, episode. I think it was their February episode, or wait, an episode in February. And they talked about the um, the skirmish league in Sydney mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. was started up. Um, and I think they said something like by the fourth um, iteration of that was that. Um, they had up to like 60 players across Sydney. That's crazy. Playing regularly. And they, yeah. said the, they said the same thing. You've got a lot of these kind of um, people who have who've bought into it but aren't um, aren't connecting regularly with, with other players. Yeah. yeah. And do you know what saddens me a little bit about Star Wars Legion, um, more so than any other game, is that the game designers have done such an incredible job of not only capturing the feel of the units um, and and certainly the best core rules of a miniature game that I've played. Mm -hmm. So that's without question, but it is so incredibly well balanced that there's so many units that don't get used because there's a couple of units like Tauntauns, for example, Mm -hmm. are just so efficient for their points that, if you are that competitive gamer, you know, you, you try and min-max and you take that that really efficient list. And there's all these units that get thrown by the wayside. Yeah. And you could get the impression that these units are crap. So the real travesty of, of this game is that it's so incredibly well-balanced and that the difference between the best unit and the quote-unquote worst unit is so much closer than any other miniatures game I've played, yeah. but if you are only experiencing the narrative coming out of hyper-competitive environment, you will think that Fleet, for example, are Wookiees. Let's, let's talk Wookiees. Wookiees are mm-hmm. so bad that you should never take them compared to Tontons. Now, Tontons are better than, than Wookiees, point for point, for sure. But if you wanted to run a list that had two units of Wookiees, you could do that and yeah. you could enjoy that game and you could do really well with them at a tournament um, regardless of where they sit on the totem pole because the top and the bottom is so close. But I don't think that expressed enough in in the – that I consume around yeah. Star Wars now, Legion. And, and I think that's a good disservice to the game design. Agreed. Nick, you're dropping a little bit, so I'm going to hop in for a second and hope that – uh, Skype fixes itself while I make my point. But um, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I have been talking on the last couple episodes about my uh, my bounty hunters from 
Empire Strikes Back, um, where I have that squad of 3D printed models that I painted up. And I wanted to run them on the tabletop, but not have red armor saves, red dice armor saves, because they're yep. a little squishier. So I've been running them as scouts. Now, the last couple of weeks, I've been listening to quote-unquote competitive uh, Legion podcasts, catching up on a few episodes. And in almost every episode I've listened to, people have said that they are trash. And like, if they're not running just the sniper team like the full squads are garbage and i'm sitting there going turns out they're not um i i've run them all the time they're one of my favorite units and i do quite well with them um mm -hmm. and again just like you say just because they are not the most efficient thing people you know junk them out but something that i used to say a lot in bolt action and since legion and bolt action are similar games I think is equally applicable here. It is totally acceptable and okay to take non-optimized units in a game that is so balanced like Legion, especially if those units help fulfill what you are planning to do on the tabletop. You don't have to take a list of the most efficient units. In fact, I've played a couple of those lists with players who are way better than I am, and I've disassembled them because though I am not as good a player at Legion, and though my list isn't meta-organized, my list has a plan, and I know what I'm doing with it. That, yeah. if you know what you're doing, and you've put a list together, it doesn't matter if it's the most efficient thing in the world. If you have a plan and you're able to you know, play to it, that, that goes a long way. So, sorry, Nick, does that, am I continuing your train of thought on that? Yeah, absolutely. And, and what um, those guys talk about as well is that number of reps with, with your list right. is more important than, than the list itself, right? So I should play um, more. <laughs> but I, I, yeah, but I still feel like um, the narrative around Legion, for the people that I speak to that are, that are sort of jumping into Legion and painting stuff, is they're like, oh, the community seems a bit, well, not toxic, toxic isn't the right word, right. but it seems a bit like hyper-competitive mm -hmm. and all about efficiency. And, and I don't I think that pace, I think that's just what gets painted. Um, yeah. Because, and it actually saddens me a little bit because it's like, first things first, you want to play a Star Wars game. Yeah. And so you want to have Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader fight each other with lightsabers. Mm -hmm. um, but un unfortunately at the moment, and I, that, I'm that i confident it's going to change, mm -hmm. but um, unfortunately at the moment, it's, it's kind of about the... Everyone takes three sniper teams and spams their other most yeah. efficient unit, which at the moment for Empire is Shore Troopers, and at the mm -hmm. moment for Empire uh, is Tauntaun. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, as the as the other teams catch up, I'm sure they'll spam three snipers and then you know take their tanks or whatever is their best unit. Yeah. Um, but I I I think that's that does a disservice to the game because I think the game is so much more exciting than that and so much more okay. balanced than that. Um, and even the T-47, which people view as a really, really poor unit, um, since it's points drop, and, and that's the other thing we should acknowledge, is that yes. Fantasy Flight are very acutely aware of keeping the game in balance. That's mm -hmm. why they have living rule books and don't print the rule books for you. That's right. And that's why they're willing to do these regular erratas or semi-regular erratas to make sure yeah. that the stuff that you buy and put together and paint, you can put on the table and, and feel like it, it it should. Like, you know, the T47 should feel like a powerful 
fighter jet. And the the points drop that it got sort of late last year has just brought it into – it needs a little bit more of a tweak, I think, but it's almost at the point where it's – you could you, even now you could put it on the table and it could do a job for you for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, Drew, you we've been talking an awful lot here. Um, do you have anything you want to pipe in on that? Because I know that you are definitely a man who occasionally has an opinion. <laughs> um, maybe just backpedal a little bit um, and not not to dispute what you were saying, Nick, and, and sort of to reinforce, I guess, what you said. Um, the, my, my opinions match both of what you were just saying, um, mm. but it's important here to say that I've, I've actually found the – the Legion community in terms of people to be fantastic in yeah. terms of um, uh, friendliness, willing to embrace um, newcomers, all those sorts of things. Like you're here. Um, yep. Yeah. It's, it's not been an unpleasant um, community, even, even the competitive parts of it. Um, so like, like Nick said, it's, it's not, it's not toxic. It's not, um, I haven't found unpleasant people. It's just a cover. A lot of the conversations you see, you do hear are about, um, about, playing well which is not yeah. about which is not a bad thing true um but it's just not my thing and it's not brad's yeah. thing and it's right. or it's not our focus yeah like mm-hmm. um but also like oh i just don't have the time to play enough games to really get into this at the same depth that some to some some other people yeah, yeah. And i'd love to, i would love and to yeah exactly the, the people have been among and and I've had you know through my you know foray into the Invader League this year um, or this season, um, the people all around the world have been super welcoming, super inviting. So the, the thing is that don't if you're listening to this and wondering whether going to an event or, or reaching out to someone is something scary to do, it's definitely not. The, the the community is probably like the game. It's probably the best one that I've been involved in as a as a war gamer. Um, that, that's that's by a long shot. It's a really welcoming, really friendly community. And I think, and and Star Wars is something that we're all so passionate about. And mm. I think that's really the glue that binds that community together. Um, is, is Star Wars is something that you, we've all loved since we were little kids mm-hmm. or since it's come out. And I think that's in its nature is, is what's been the center of that welcoming community is we, it's been a part of our lives for so long that it's just an, an addition to that community rather than being a completely new community on its own. Totally. Totally, man. Couldn't have said it better myself. That is, yeah. Amen. Amen. So, Nick, I guess to, to that end of, um, of fostering community without necessarily um, uh, turning people away uh, with competitiveness, um, you were telling me about something else you had uh, on the let's say fairly distant horizon, but um, for for next year. Oh baby, I thought you'd never ask me. Um, so so this um, come it, this was inspired by an event that is run by a really good friend of mine, Josh Coleman, um, and actually a, a, another member of the Star Wars community, Tim Tim Wright. I think you say his last name like that. Anyway, he'll correct me if it's not. Um, Josh, for a number of years, has run a Lord of the Rings event, which is the other big game that I love playing, um, called Silmarillion. And, and Tim's going to take over. Well, this was supposed to be Josh's 10 and done, um, but that may not happen this year. And then Tim was going to take over from there. But essentially what this has evolved into is what we call a narrative event. Um, nice. And every time I – the first time I went to this um, 
this version of this event, I realized that this was the greatest moment of wargaming I've ever had. This was so much fun mm -hmm. and really should be the only way that tournaments run. When you're playing games that are surrounded by really strong lore, like why are we even trying to find out who the best player is? Surely we need to find out if Frodo destroy, destroys the ring or not. Like right. that should be the, the whole purpose of this. Yeah. Um, and I think Star Wars itself lends itself to this format so, so well. So um, essentially the way that event runs is it's easy with Lord of the Rings because you've got good and evil. Um, obviously with Star Wars, what I would like to do is pick a theatre of, uh, you know, an, an era. And so being... Um, being a big fan of the rebels and the Imperials, I'm going to start with the, um, the galactic civil war and you, you split the players into two teams, obviously divided by their factions um, and each set of tables. Um, so I was thinking this will be my first event running on my own for sure. And certainly the first test of, of this format of event for star Wars. So um, the plan is to run it around this time next year, around May the 4th, to, to really tie into that Star Wars theme. Nice. Um, and essentially what I want to do is pick four or no, pick five systems and have two or three tables of each system. So the ones that I've got down um, with my notes, I've just been brainstorming while I've been in isolation. Um, and, um, you know, Tatooine, Scarif, mm -hmm. Mandalore, you could have Endor, you could have Hoth. There's a whole number of planets that you could have. Um, and the way this works is these, all the planets, you have the tables themed, matched to the theme. So Endor would obviously be snow tables. Mm -hmm. Scarif is going to be um, sort of tropical beach type planet. Um, Endor is going to look like Endor, like you would imagine trees and forests and those sorts of things. So, so the terrain matches the planets. Then what happens is, as a rebel player, you will only ever play Imperials and, and vice versa. Nice. Um, and depending on which faction controls the majority of the system, so if there's three tables, so whichever faction controls two out of those three tables um, or two out of two if there's only two per planet, but you get the drift, mm. Those that faction in the next round then gets a bonus on those tables um, which is determined by the table that they're on. So if, and this is just stuff that I've been brainstorming. So if we're on Mandalore and let's say the Imperials control Mandalore, they all get a special rule called legacy of Mandalore, or this is the way, if you want to be cool like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and then all, all the units, all the trooper units start with implacable. They all have implacable. So they roll red dice to get rid of suppression. So it's, it's a little buff, but it's not going to break the game. Right. Um, if that makes sense. Um, and and that on those tables, they'll maintain that as long as their faction holds Mandalore. Um, on Endor, what you could have is support of the locals, for example. Um, and once per game, you know, each enemy unit might get hit with two white dice, surge to hit, blast, and pierce one, or even not even pierce, maybe just suppressive. So that represents the Ewoks helping whoever controls the planets to fight off the invaders or you could make it the reverse if you don't hold that planet you um you have that ability you could um, even have like you could even have like an ability attached like to the dominance faction in each system and also one for the um for the 
other faction so that yeah yeah you definitely could so um that's something that that we had um at Silmarilli um last year and the year before is that yeah certainly swinging differences between the two depending on who's holding it and you're exactly right you could have a dominant one and and one that's trying to take the faction maybe to try and balance it out um and essentially what um what happens is over the weekend is you you tally up all the points and all the points and um whoever holds the most planets or has accumulated the most points as a faction at the end is the winning faction rather than having it designed to be an individual prize it's about the side winning and and i think it becomes really inclusive because you don't have to be a good player to be in the game and to be involved you might lose all of your games but you still you're still on the team and you might have lost five out of six games and knowing that if you win the next one, your whole team's won, won the event. Um, and what it created with the Lord of the Rings community is we had this real sense of good versus evil and, you know, you'd go out and you'd have lunch together and you'd talk about what happened in your game, what have you got to do in this game? And um, it just, for the, for the people who are not big into the community and this might be their first event, it's even more inclusive than, and most tournaments are pretty inclusive, but mm -hmm. even more so you feel more involved. You feel part of it more than mm -hmm. anyone else. Um, and I think star Wars just gives us such a great opportunity for theming tables, for creating missions. And, and, and that was the other thing I was going to do on these tables is that rather than having um, a deck that you then bid for, et cetera, et cetera, is, all the missions on the tables, all the conditions, all everything, the deployment zones are set to the table. So you go yeah, to a cool. table that makes sense. and you're playing nice. bomb run with hemmed in and whatever. And so you, you still determine who's blue and red player, mm -hmm. um, but you don't have any choice in that way. And so that you can, you can build these really asymmetrical tables as well that end up looking really cool rather than just being you know, it has to be relatively even so that you can, um, that it can work for every scenario. It can work for every condition. You, that all gets taken out of it and just becomes a hobbyist paradise, essentially. <laughs> yes. It reminds me a little bit of, um, uh, actually the event where, where Brad and I first met, um, mm -hmm. was, a was like a similar kind of narrative event, uh, for Warhammer and yeah, a sort of good side and an evil side. And I can't remember what it was called now, but, um, uh, that, that would be, um, that sounds amazing. I, I would, I would love to be a part of that. Yeah, and here's here's a piece of the, the resistance, right? There's more. Um, more you have to say. There's, but wait, there's more. Wow. Um, what what you may find with an event like this, and this is something that that happened um, sort of initially with um, while Silmar really kind of evolved over the years, is that and my fear for Star Wars only having the two factions is we would only see lists that were Luke, Leia, three snipers, three tontons, right? For like, and and that that may not happen, but my my hope was that in order to encourage different lists, what I would allow is say um, the rebels can take Obi Wan Kenobi, mm -hmm. and then you just change all his um, his special rules and interactions and command cards to. Um, function with rebel troopers, right? Like his his guardian ability and that sort of thing. Yeah. But you're only allowed to bring him to the event if you have an appropriate old man Obi Wan Kenobi model. Don't know right? anyone so, who has one of those. Who makes one of those? Yeah, <laughs> Hashtag Skullforge. And so so that creates um, a bit more 
variety through through the units and through the armies and um and even Captain Rex, right? Because he's in Rebels in the TV show, so you can chuck him into some Rebel army. He was army. on Endor too. He was on Endor, <laughs> that's right. Um, and then you what you could do for the evil side, for example, if um you know, if if enough stuff's released, so you could take maybe the second sister, um, if she has you know, she may not have rules, so you could use um, maybe Count Dooku for that mm-hmm. uh, as her rule set and it has her card, but you've got to have an appropriate model for the second sister. Or if um, I imagine at some point Darth Maul will be part of the um, the CIS faction. So um, if he's around, you could chuck him into an Empire army because he um, he was in Rebels as well. So you get this variety of, of list building and you can kind of break the rules a little bit, which doesn't matter because it's a narrative event, right? Yeah. Exactly. Oh, man, that sounds so good. That is uh, our wheelhouse, I believe, uh, Drew. I think we live in that house, and I'm looking forward to visiting that house with you, Nick. Mm. So so the, the really big end goal for this is, and I'm, I was hoping to do it initially, but I think it's going to be enough of a, a stretch for me to get this done, is that as this event evolves, I'd love to have um, another event running at the same time, which was X-Wing or Armada. And so then you can have nice. what's happening in space connected to what's happening on the ground and, and vice versa and, and control of the yeah. systems in that way. I think I think that would be really cool. But I think that's a that's a bit too ambitious to to plan for going forward um, and have to maybe hope for further years for that. Yeah, man. Armada is a perfect game for that, too. I just I I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with the new Clone Wars expansions and uh I'm hoping that maybe intensified forward firepower might make an appearance back one of these days. I don't know what those drunk Tarkins are up to, but yeah, <laughs> I think it would, I, I would love to see Legion come up with a set of official rules that would allow you to, uh, you know, connect those games, just like you're describing. I think um, I, it wouldn't be too hard for them to do. I can't remember if I spoke about this already, but I, I get it. The Frankston store, I saw some guys playing. They had a, um, I think it was a 40k set of corridors or something set up in the middle of a like of a black table, uh, and they were playing Legion in those, and then playing X-wing around the outside. I can't remember how the rule sets interacted, but like that was cool. That's awesome. I didn't have practical laws, but it looked cool. Yeah, man, mm-hmm. very cool. Tell you what else you need, Nick, is you need some you need some like some really thematic like uh, graphical scoreboards with like you know images of the systems like changing color, changing sides, like. That kind of thing. Well, the coolest thing, um, and and the first year they did it in Silmar, really, they just had like a big laminated map that then they coloured in red or blue depending on who was taking it, and that was enough of like an immersion to see like, oh no, the evil side's taken that part of Middle mm-hmm. Earth, um, and then they they evolved that and and used like obviously digital stuff in in the following years, and that just seeing that map is like. It's such a like a motivator. You can't wait but to get back on the table, regardless of how your previous games have gone. It's really cool. It's just, such. A- sorry, going back to Pepper's Ghost. I just had a really cool idea of just like getting your like a lot of gaming venues seem to have you know flat panel displays these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, take one of those, yeah. lay it down like yep. flat. Get a piece of um, of um, acrylic sheet or something, mm-hmm. and make like a like a hologram kind of thing yep <laughs> again, you're a madman like, i'm just going to point that out mad complete, man complete complete gimmick but like again it's that kind of yeah it's that kind of immersion isn't it like it is yeah 
you feel like you're part of the um, you feel like you're in a war and just instead of just some guys at a event. Even well, that's cool. Yeah. We've replaced it's... all of our uh, interactive whiteboards at our school because the batteries. I'm sorry, the batteries. The bulbs burn out, and they're the the bulbs are more expensive than the damn things to replace. So yeah. um, we replaced them with flat screen TVs, and uh, it was pointed out to us that the screens on those you can write on them using whiteboard textures, and then just wipe it off. It's no problem. A whiteboard marker. Sorry, I need to speak international here. Um, but uh, yeah, it's always entertaining the first time you have a class if you are uh, teaching and you start to write on the television with a te- with a marker. Kids lose their minds. Um, <laughs> But yeah, you could do something like that easily with, you know, all the white, you know, with whiteboard markers and the TVs. Of course, you definitely want to talk to the venue first. But yeah, you could definitely do that. I mean, yeah, you could uh, have a map and you'd start coloring things in using whiteboard markers and then wipe it and redo it again. I'm sure Drew could do it much better than what I'm describing. Um, Drew's talking about holograms and I'm talking about coloring in. So I think there's a difference. Anyway, when I start telling teacher stories, it may be time to call it a day. Yeah, I think so. Um, so I'd like to thank Nick for coming on tonight uh, and and extend the invitation to Nick to come back and talk to us again about some of the uh, about some of the things we've been talking about tonight. How's that sound, Nick? No, I, I actually hate podcasting, so <laughs> I never want to. Come. No, of course, I'll come back whenever. <laughs> I love the sound of my own voice. Um, <laughs> So yeah, the like I said, the um the ideas I've been talking about and throwing around they're they're in evolution. So um love to keep talking about them, bounce some ideas around, and even just talk about Star Wars Legion because it's awesome. It is, man. It is. Yeah. Could not have said it better. Uh ladies and gentlemen, if you have not checked out our Facebook page, I've had a few people find the show and um say, Oh yeah, I, I love Cast Dice, and I see when you share this show on the Cast Dice Facebook page. Um, that's great. And you should start a Beyond the First Marker podcast uh, Facebook page. And I say, I have. It's there. So if you like Star Wars memes and you want to see pictures of Drew and I, uh, and well, not pictures of us so, to, so much as our models, um, please go to Beyond the First Marker on Facebook, find the page, and hit like. Um, we are just uh, finding our sea legs as far as um, what the tone of the show is and what our social media is going to look like. But we are also getting into YouTube videos and all of that. Uh, So, guys, please uh, check us out. And uh, if you have feedback for the show, you can message us there. Uh, I know Drew loves uh, answering people's messages. And uh, actually, Drew does. And I didn't mean to imply that he doesn't. And uh, (laughs) I do, too. So, ladies and gentlemen, we'd love to hear from you. Please message us. And uh, without further ado, I think it's uh, time to say adieu. Drew? Good night, my friend. Good night. Thank you for listening. For more information about the topics discussed in today's episode, please find our Facebook page by searching for Beyond the First Marker. Please message us there if you have any comments, questions, or suggestions that will help us improve the quality of this show. Until next time, may the Force be with you.